Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee Cohen, and how are you feeling about hosting today? Oh, are you kidding? This is a layup for me. You're going to be in hog heaven. (laughs) We're going to talk all about something that you could talk about in your sleep. And bottom line is... You throw the ball up, I'm going to drop it in. There's March madness. Let's drop that ball down the hoop. There's no question I will be feeding you until you are... All finished, but it will be very easy. So what we're bringing about, uh, what we're talking about, audience, is uh, we're going back to fish again. So that's where I swim my best, or at least underwater aquatic environments, (laughs) maybe even shrimp today. Yeah, but we're doing a different element to it because it's almost as if the PIM particles have landed in my lap because we're going to shrink everything down uh, (laughs) into a nano universe. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the chocolate factory where the the kid gets reduced into the television set yeah. you know what i'm talking Mike about tv of yeah. course yeah yeah he's kind of <laughs> we're going to miniaturize these things so but but we're going to do it in a way that uh makes a lot of sense makes 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 the whole hobby that much more rich you know the the idea of nanotanks uh I just want to bring up that there's a lot of reasons why it should hit home and why you might want to listen in simply from the standpoint that it can be maybe a less expensive hobby. Maybe it's one of those things where you have an apartment and you always thought that, well, yeah, when I move, I'll get into a fish tank. Well, no, you don't need to. These are going to be any, you know, we'll we'll bring up the topic and we'll have an expert on the show talking about nanotanks, but they're, they're small. It basically, you know, the old saying, can it fit in a shoebox? Well, Not too far from that. Not that it would have to be the shape of a shoebox, but you get the idea. And I, and 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 our our professional today is one of our managers in freshwater that I've, has just shown both the enthusiasm and the knowledge associated with making this hobby sing for people that come in. And it just takes time, effort, and a lot of knowledge and you know expertise. And what's interesting is, uh, just to prove the point that Bruce Pets, we are not age discriminating, um, the the manager involved, uh, Will Schaefer, he is under 20 years of age and carries responsibilities on his shoulders like, well, uh, like a manager should. And uh, I was excited to get him on the show because, one, he's very, very knowledgeable. And, and two, it's a hats off to him because uh, not too many people I know, you know, you watch the Olympics and you see that 17-year-old go down that hill and you're like, how's that possible? Or you watch America's Got Talent and you got the 13-year-old that bells it out. Well, in this case, the, the responsibility at a, at a retail level, it, there is a lot of responsibility. There is a lot of demand and a lot of like uh, – task responsibility hey. and he embraces it well so I'm, I'm i'm honored to have will on the show and uh i don't know if you've had a chance to meet him yet uh, lee but uh you'll well, find his knowledge 
and his information really helpful. Well, we were introduced, and I can say the one thing we have in common is I was killing fish when I was 20, and he's <laughs> actually trying to keep me from doing it. So bottom line is kudos to him. But, Rick, one thing you said earlier about the nanotanks that's really intriguing is uh, – it's something I'm looking at because my wife was telling me she's got this little spot mm-hmm. on the counter in the kitchen where there's a little shelf and there's just this little corner space that she could just fit a small tank and how cool that would be as she's sitting in the kitchen cooking or doing all the other stuff. What a neat thing that would be. And my knowledge, of course, goes back to – 10-gallon, 20-gallon, 75-gallon, and all of a sudden, guess what? These nanotanks are perfect for an application like that because you can put it where the space allows it, and frankly, it lets you create a little piece of nature wherever it is that you're spending your time. Well, no offense, Lee, but sometimes it helps to have more than one companion in a household. (laughs) And, and uh, we have a dog, yeah. but, but there is something intimate about a betta fish, for instance, and how he kind of, you know, people say he really likes me. Well, yeah. He's really hungry yeah. and he probably appreciates your presence. Right. But people feel calmer and feel appreciated and feel loved by just a simple betta fish that has that kind of looking at me, does it take his eyes off me, follows me around the room. That majestic float that they they can do is just really... Yeah, so there's a lot of personality in that. And we'll talk about other animals that have really fantastic personalities uh, uh, coming right up here. (laughs) Yeah, we will talk about a lot that you can do with these nanotanks with our guest, Will Schaefer, this week on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us in the studio a first-time guest. It's Will Schaefer, who is the co-manager of the Freshwater Department at Proust Pets. Welcome to the show, Will, and congratulations on becoming the co-manager. Thank you, Lee. Oh, it's our pleasure. We appreciate having you in here. And the reason we did is because Rick and I were talking about interesting subjects and and somehow we turn to nanotanks. And bottom line is, I agree with them. I know it's something that people are in demand for because I've got my wife who is in demand for a nanotank. And good thing I've got an anniversary coming up. So I, <laughs> I can come up with a reason for it. But you, you can call it a nanoversary. <laughs> exactly. And as I always have told her, great things come in small packages. <laughs> So it works out well. But to begin with, Will, let's talk about, for people who don't know, what is a nanotank? Yeah. Uh, I generally like think of nanotanks as pretty much anything smaller than 10 gallons. You know, maybe a 15-gallon could be considered a nanotank. But I think smaller, maybe, you know, 5-gallon tanks are make the like the best small nanotanks. Um, and a nanotank is really... 
taking what we do on a big scale for like 20 gallons, 50 gallons, 75 gallon tanks. And we just take that idea and we shrink it and we shrink it down into a very small package, like you said. And I personally think that nano tanks can be just as enjoyable as any tank that you do. Um, and a lot of people like to do like small fish. There's lots of nano fish is what they're called. So there's, you know, there's all our big, our big stuff. And then we have all of our nano quote unquote things. So yeah, what I would, I would mention that to the person listening in, imagine it's kind of like bonsaiing. Uh, uh, your your fish tank, right? It's exactly. Like you know what? What tank. is it about uh, a bonsai? What is it about bonsaiing a tree? It just looks like that one you would expect that would be really large and cool, yeah, and and interesting. But all miniatures rise down to a comfortable, like visual at a small size. And I would say that's kind of the idea on a nano tank. I mean, how small or large a nano tank is, you know, it's kind of more of the eye of the beholder. Yeah. But if you're actually feeling, if you're feeling comfortable with the environment that you're looking at, when the look, the the environment you're looking at is small, you're probably looking at a nano tank, right? Yep. And and then share with the audience, um, how does that differ in what we actually carry and keep and and offer to people in order to accomplish a nano world? So you know, I like to always start when I start my nano tanks if we're trying to accomplish that nano look. And like you said with the bonsai, and I think one other thing about bonsai is the attention to detail. And, yeah, and right, the, right. The kind of pleasure in the brain of <laughs> like perfectly. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mr. Yeah. Miyagi, yeah. see nothing but tree. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so usually where I'll start is I'll start yeah. by, you know, getting your tank and making sure you have all your equipment. So, you know, heaters, filter, um, mm light all of those are obviously miniaturized down and you know they make heaters that are for one gallon tanks and and they're really easy to use too so that's probably where i would start to get started obviously. conceptualize what right. kind of equipment you're going to put on it and exactly. then you know generally uh we have displays set up in the tank that kind of helps give that vision you can yeah. always find if you just pressed nano tank uh, in, in a Google search, you're going to find or lots YouTube, and lots of for sure. YouTube for sure, and you're going to see yeah, lots you, of options there. Yeah, but you also might get the Ant-Man movies with <laughs> Pim particles. <laughs> for sure. But I, I would basically then go about deciding what look I want for my tank. So my, do I want to do a full planet tank? Do I want it to mainly just be rocks? Do I want it to be fake stuff? And, you know, you can use fake stuff in nano tanks, but I find that the, the real stuff – really makes it come to life. So, obviously. you know, the reality is there's no wrong answer on that. It's that's what true. you want, <laughs> what you want to put in there. But, exactly. you know, for the person that's getting into it, you know, it might be as simple as some plastic plants because that's what you have time for. That's what you have an interest for. And you might have a simple fish or creature that uh, that's all it really needs to support it. For well, sure. it could also be in a place that doesn't have access to sunlight. Right. Well, that is hopefully, a- it's, hopefully it has access to a, a plug. Right. Well, and well, and as long have... as it does that, that's the light. In fact, sunlight, natural sunlight, yeah. uh, if it's too direct, uh, can be very, very problematic. Yeah. Because right? of algae. And... You, you know, there's just something uncontrollable and, and, and intense and coming in from the side of the tank instead of from the top of the tank that makes natural sunlight. Let's 
just say difficult to work with, and it's seasonal. It's, you know, yeah, right. it might be really bright in one time of year, but really dim another time of the year, and you're relying on 100% consistency for these fish. And most of these fish are tropical fish, so they want a warm climate, and they're used to sunshine of high intensity their entire life. So, yeah. what are? Um, let's just get to you, Will. Yeah. Will, tell me a little bit about your hobby and. And I guess, uh, how did it uh, funnel down into your fascination for nanotanks? So, you know, my first tank I got four or five years ago. Um, I We just thought fish were cool. Um, I started with just a 20-gallon all-in-one tank, came with everything I needed, um, tried, failed initially, um, as <laughs> happens sometimes. Um, you know, as I went up to bigger tanks and as I went up to smaller went down to smaller tanks I found that big tanks are almost easy I don't want to say they're easy because you know all fish tanks take work but you know nano tanks are a challenge because there's not that much space you have to pick what you do very carefully and typically I feel that I enjoy those smaller tanks for that reason is you know, first of all, if you put a small fish in a big tank, you won't find it. If you have a <laughs> nano fish in a nano tank, really easy to see. It's easy to enjoy the fish. And so I think as I went along and I, I got bigger tanks, so I have like a 125 gallon and I have a 75 gallon, but then I also got little two and a half gallons and one gallons and you know, just fill them with plants and shrimp. And it's so fun to just sit there and see what the shrimp are doing. And I think it stems from just being able to kind of follow the, follow the animals around and see, you know, you can see exactly where they go. So I feel like my fascination stemmed a from plants and how they grow and how that, how, you know, they develop over time. And then also, how the fish behave when they're given a, a natural environment, but also a confined environment so that you can see them. So let's talk a little bit about shrimps. I mean, what an appropriate yeah. creature is for a nano tank, something. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's shrimp down, let's shrimp down to, uh, to, to that size. To the average person, they might think of, uh, what is it, popcorn shrimp right, and, the big ones. and cocktail shrimps yeah. and whatnot what what do you think of and what what would somebody that never had seen or witnessed shrimp in a fish tank what would you be looking at for these nano tanks so i think that like you said shrimp are perfect for these small environments because shrimp the what shri- kind of shrimp the i mean shrimp- it, I, the cocktail shrimp that i uh, no. have on my dinner plate aren't <laughs> yeah. going to work very well and and so help so the, the shrimp- help the people visualize what you mean by shrimp because when- i think they they aren't necessarily familiar yeah, with them. You're right. The ones we think of have cocktail sauce next to it. Right. So <laughs> narrow it down. Yeah. So when I refer to shrimp, I'm not definitely not referring to the big shrimp. I'm referring to two, I think, genus of shrimp, the cardenas and the neocardina shrimp. And those are shrimp that some of them do get bigger, maybe three inches, four inches. So I've seen some big, what are called a mono shrimp. Um, they're a, a clear cardina shrimp. Um, and, and anyone listening can can go do research and go do a Google search on Cardina shrimp, to, Neo Cardina and Cardina shrimp to kind of see them for yourself. But 
I'm talking like an inch and a half, two inch shrimp at the most. Normally, and, normally about an inch. Yeah. And I, it, visualizing, I think in my mind, about an inch long shrimp. Yeah. But a little bit more than that. What yeah. about color? What about, so, why, why would I even be interested in it? So unlike those shrimp that you would have on your cocktail plate, these shrimp come in several, several, several different colors. And they have been selectively bred over time to have different colors. And there's, you know, there's different grades of shrimp so you know you i think it goes s like there's the s class shrimp which are the the lower quality even though they're still beautiful but we have like yellow we have the blue shrimp we have black we have red we have you know and then there's brown there's clear there's the real stripes that the right realies, as i say yeah. the patchwork you know patchworks. i mean they, there's unlimited amounts of of variety yeah. because the the these species in general, they have they when you breed them, they have such a high rate of mutations and, and changes, color variations. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And so they're very variable in in their color and in how they display that color. And sometimes you'll breed two shrimp together and get something that you didn't even expect. So, so Lee, uh, have you looked at our shrimp selection at the store? I've seen I, the red ones, uh, right, certainly, right. Uh, and I have seen some other ones. No, they're very, very cool. When, when you looking. walk by, yeah. right? Uh, if you're really pay, you. you they turn your head, they're bright enough color that you actually notice it. These aren't, you know, sometimes they talk about colors on fish and they're rather muted. Mm-hmm. These are bright red, bright yeah. blue, bright metallic, yellow. metallic black or blue, yeah. you know, where it has that kind of like armored, um, reflective character about it. I saw them. what's called a black carbon shrimp the other day in one of the tanks at our store. And it, had a black, it was completely black with a white stripe going down the middle. Oh my! And it was beautiful. And in is that the Le Pew variety? Le <laughs> 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 Pew shrimp. Um, but so the Neo Cardenas are probably one of the more common ones in terms of what people keep because they are slightly easier to keep than some of the Cardena species. Now the Cardena species do tend to have more contrasting and more beautiful patterns and that kind of thing. And 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 they're a little bit different shape. The yes. neocardinians are long and angular and yeah. and the cardinians tend to be a little bit more buffalo shaped I think of. <laughs> a little, I, when a little you more see, plump. When they, you see like 10 or 15 of them wander, wandering the landscape, I just yeah. think of little buffaloes. Do, <laughs> do they coexist well with other creatures or are they predators? So they they aren't going to cause too much trouble. Yeah, it's more of things with them because they are such a small shrimp and unfortunately in the wild when you want to think of shrimp, they are a food source for a lot of things. So anything that you keep that can either take bites of a shrimp or eat it whole, most likely will do so. And so you have to be careful when picking fish, but that's where the nanofish come in. Because when I say nanofish, we have some nanofish that are half an inch to an inch long. So they're smaller than the shrimps. They're, uh, or they the same be. size. Yeah, or yeah. the same size, yeah. It, and so they're, they're going to be safer. Now, one of the interesting things about shrimp, and don't get stuck on this shrimp topic, but it's, it's pretty fascinating. And I think if you had a... Uh, even a young child, and you wanted to kind of walk the hobby with them. I don't know that a child could find anything more fascinating when you actually watch the detailed activities of a shrimp, because it's not. It's you know a fish. A fish doesn't have any limbs, right? right. It, it it has a gait. It has a swim to it, and it's somewhat 
hypnotic and um, and sometimes uh, almost uh, an opportunity to kind of just transcend you into a calm, right? right? That's kind of the fish. Shrimp's a little different. You know, they got, it seems like, endless little feet that are cleaning everything they can find. And for a child, even an adolescent that's looking at that kind of thing, that has a sense of curiosity, they are fun to watch, and they live off the land right. a lot better than just about anything else. They're constantly not just grazing on these things for fun or so to entertain like you. A, so they're kind of like a loach in that way in terms of they, they, scrounging they, more, the More bottom. so So when you get into these little micro fish, right, and micro sh- shrimp, okay, these small shrimp, there's a lot of algae and bacteria that they are just – there's a whole big environment for them. You know, just right in front. They're eating bacteria. Uh, they're eating algae. They're eating whatever they can find on the land. Hey, and good and good cleaning help is hard to find. Exactly. So bottom line is I can see that benefit. We're talking this morning with Will Schaefer, who is the co-manager of the Freshwater Department. And, Will, we need to take our first break. But when we come back, let's talk about micro tanks and what else might be something interesting to put in there. we got to well, talk about bettas. Well, there's, bettas. Lot of, there's lots of options, and we'll have that conversation right here at 1320 WILS. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Britt Pruse and Lee Cohen on 1320 WILS. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we're talking this morning about nanotanks. And we've got in the studio with us a guest from Pruse Pets. It's Will Schaefer, who is the co-manager of the Freshwater Department. And, Will, we were talking before the break about shrimps and what have you. Tell me about shrimps in terms of how many of them would you appropriately keep in a nano tank, and uh, what happens when a couple of them get together, especially if they might be both boys and girls. So, especially with with these types of shrimp that we're speaking of, they are very, very productive in in reproducing because. In the wild, you know, these little shrimps are are <laughs> food source, and and so you gotta they have to reproduce very quickly, and so you know if you have male and female shrimp together, and especially in groups of six to twelve, uh, you know you don't have to start with six to twelve; you can start with less than that. And if you have a boy and a girl, they can produce quite a few babies, and they basically do this by. Um, burying themselves under the substrate of the tank when they're ready to to lay their eggs and, and do all that. And they lay the eggs on the bottom of, on the glass of the bottom of the tank under the gravel. And basically the little shrimplets hatch under there. And then as they work their way up, they're getting all the stuff that's in the gravel, which helps them grow in size. And so sometimes, not always, but sometimes if you have deep enough substrate, by the time they get to the top, they're already half grown. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a tank. um, It was a five-gallon tank. It was very simplistic, very few rocks, a couple decorations. And I had yellow fire shrimp, which are these bright, bright yellow 
shrimp. Neocardinians. Neocardinians. And they are an extremely eye-catching shrimp and and I love to have them and I still have a group of them in a tank with other with fish that won't eat them um but I had I've wa- I've watched the the juvenile shrimp come up out of the substrate and it's really fun and, and incredible to watch and you can start with maybe 6 to 12 shrimp but, but give it a month or give it a month and a half and you can have 30 40 shrimp um especially you know, generally you would have a ratio of a male to two females. And what that does is it allows the females not to get too stressed out and, and so that you also get more breeding activity in general. And they, they can be extremely vigorous in, in their breeding. How long do these shrimp typically live? I Now, it's a little hard for me to tell for my personal tanks because there's so many of them and I can't really tell the difference between each one. But, um, you know, they allegedly or technically live for probably about two years. Um, It can go longer or shorter depending on how you take care of your tank and, and how you set your tank up. And if it's an ideal environment, they can certainly live longer or shorter. So. Interesting. And they're compatible with plants, which I think is really cool. And it, they're compatible with small tanks because they don't get large enough to be out of place. Right. You know, that's one of the things that um, we do on a regular basis at the store is help guide people into the appropriate fish for the size tank they get. And well, plus location they, matters because my wife wants hers in the kitchen, and that's no. where shrimp belong. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, I think that. Uh, just I want to invite customers to always ask questions and kind of have an open mind. Uh, people will come in and they'll want a fish that needs a 40-gallon tank and want to put it in their 10-gallon tank. And um, I appreciate it. We need to take that energy, though, and find a fish that would be to their liking if they have a relatively small tank. Um, well, one, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, for example, one thought I had for a nano tank would be seahorses. Is that appropriate, or would that not be so, a good environment? So, seahorses don't need a lot of space. Um, we're usually, they, but they kind of want to wander from here to there. Need a little space. So, usually, like maybe a twenty-gallon tank. I've I've seen them in smaller tanks, but. Um, they tend to appreciate going from stem to stem and over to here and over to here. And they can get, other than the true pygmy seahorses, a small tank would be fine, but they don't, they're don't. they not commonly on the marketplace. It's usually a larger seahorse. Okay. Uh, and with the larger seahorses, I would say a 20-gallon tank would be best. And one thing I wanted to talk about, um, just because it seems like an hour-long show, we'd have lots of time to talk about everything. But one thing I want to make sure happens today is I really want to bring up the topic of betta fish. Yes. And have yes. and and will uh, will on a, on an everyday basis uh, meets people uh, that want to get into betta fish, and it's simple. But there are some guidelines, and I wanted Will to kind of talk a little bit about that so that people that come in or go elsewhere, wherever, if, if they're going to get a betta fish. Um, they kind of follow a few guidelines um, well, that, that can help them. And they tend to be appropriate fish for nanotanks, okay. uh, but nanotanks with a slight edit, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about betta fish. So I think betta fish are certainly one of the best starter fish 
just because, like you said, of their simplicity. You know, they have big fins and they can have colorful fins and they can be all types of colors. We have blue, we have red, we have blue, red, white, you know. Purple. Purple. We have <laughs> and, and, and then you can have all those colors thrown into one. And, and betta fish can be amazing. The males do have to be kept alone. So you do have to keep, you know, male betta fish separate from each other. Because uh, their nickname is actually Siamese Fighting Fish. Yeah, and the, yeah. The reason that is they, is because that, that's a fitting name. Yeah. And, and the reason that is is because uh, in the wild they they have uh, you know their territory, their little area. They have their females with them, and basically any other male betta fish that comes around is you gotta go. And you gotta go. You're not welcome. <laughs> and and you wouldn't think of it as an issue. In the wild, uh, they aren't even aggressive in the wild. They're territorial. You know, yeah. there is a difference. They don't have to necessarily fight. Yeah, those, but when territories those... are limited, right. and they yeah. and the, <laughs> you know the the betta has a gesture in this five gallon tank, and it says, "Okay, I'm big." You know, they puff their fins up yeah, like just like huge. They're gorgeous. Their fins. They flush with color, and yeah. they're just intense. I'm sure people listening know what we're talking about. Yeah. And then that in nature, you know. Not that they would ever be quitely that colored because these are kind of captive, raised, selectively bred creatures. But they still have a reasonable amount of color even in the wild. Um, but the male would do this and do that and do this gesture. And what would happen is the other male would just swim away. Yep. And, and no no harm done. No harm, well, no foul. Well, there's enough space. There's enough Plenty water. of space. But people, you know, and so I, in this whole animal keeping world right this bird doesn't like me right it's not that he doesn't like you right he just has a different sense of what a relationship is going to be like and you're not complying okay <laughs> well i know yeah. of one bird that didn't like no, me they, it's no it isn't it's not true it's not true it's that they feel threatened they feel protected and they do what they do naturally well this you know? one cat called me but, but 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 are you talking about poncho? No. no. <laughs> but but bettas are fun creatures, and there are under certain circumstances other fish you can keep with them. Uh, but talk about the environment, the kind of the edit, if you will. Why why is if you know sometimes I find people are more successful with the betta fish if they just have like the bowl with the betta in it, like a, essentially what we used to call a goldfish bowl. We don't call them that anymore. We don't. Uh, you can. But the betta, the, the betta in a bowl, at least it's the kind of environment they're looking for if you can keep the water chemistry good. Comment a little bit about that because sometimes you'll go out and get a small little tank because you read online it says betta should always have a filter. They should have more water. They should have a larger environment. Customer goes and does that, and then where they would have been successful, they fail. And fail in this hobby is <laughs> it's the ultimate price, right? Yeah. Because then the bet is dead. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, Will, just so that people have a better appreciation. I'm not saying somebody shouldn't go out and get a filtered system. A filtered system is better if done properly than a still environment in some ways. But talk a little bit about that. So – you know, like you said, with, with filters, the main issue with bettas in their tank is that bettas come from a very still environment in the wild. And I, and this is something I always like to do with all animals and everything that I do at home is think about what it comes from. So it yeah. comes from a salt patty and, you know, 
Malaysia, and basically those are very still, low oxygen environments. So what a filter is doing is making water movement and oxygenating the water, which is nearly the opposite of where they come from. Now, what the filter does is it keeps your water clean and healthy, though the betta would prefer not to get thrown around and pushed around by the filter, especially for long periods of time because they need to find a spot that they can just sit and just hang out. Um, But it's tough for them to do that when there's a there's a water falling filter into the tank and there's lots of solutions to this there's different types of filter that don't quite make that much flow into the tank right but bettas can be successful in bowls although having a bigger tank is great as long as you can provide low flow and you know not have it be stressed out all the time right so. well i've heard of them even called puddle jumpers yes, so bottom exactly. line is i i get what you're saying a lid we're, will also be helpful for you i gotcha <laughs> we're talking this morning with will schaefer we need to take one more break but when we come back from the break we'll talk about again if you want a nano tank what can you do with it and where can you put it and all that kind of stuff right here on 1320 wils Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, your number one source for information on taking care of your pets. Here are your hosts, Rick Proust and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about nanotanks. And in this last segment, we were talking about betta fish, and we're talking about it with uh, Will Schaefer, who works in the freshwater department at Proust Pets. And, Will, let's talk about betta fish. You were describing the different colors and sizes and what have you. I've also noticed that they can be very different in terms of the pricing that that you would pay for them, is there something different about the them, or is it uh, some uh, care conditions? Because even in your store, you've got a, a wider selection of price for certain fish yeah. in terms of the betta department. So especially for bettas, when you're looking at higher price bettas versus lower price bettas, you're not looking at a different betta, they're, they're still bettas, all of them, and they are all the same species of fish. They all have the same care and the same needs. and Same breeding patterns. Exactly. And they all act, they don't all act the exact same, but they all have the same behaviors and all of that. They're the same fish. The difference is, is, you know, what's the difference between a schnauzer and a Great Dane? You know, they've been selectively bred, obviously not to the degree big versus small like that, but there are giant bettas and there's what's called, you know, crown tail bettas and, um, you know, high fin bettas. So like the fins on the betta are big. So I've seen bettas that have fins that are three inches tall when they're fully extended. And, and, you know, that's a desirable trait among betta breeders. And when you're also looking at that, you're also looking at the pattern, the color, and when you take that all into account and then also take into account what it took to get to that point of having this colored beta or beta with this colored finage or this high finage or whatever, you know, that's where the price is going to change, especially um, for these just tiny little fish, you know, they're, they're, but they're very simple to take care of and whether you buy a $5 one or a $30 one. We have one at the store. Uh, just yesterday, I was looking at 
and I just dropped my jaw. Now, I've looked at bettas all my life, Mm -hmm. since I was a young child, right? And yet I saw one yesterday that was breathtaking. Bright white, bright red, bright blue, um, pattern in a way that you just like, how could they ever do that? Concentric circles coming out to the fin. I was going to say, there aren't stars and stripes on that there, but You know, it wouldn't surprise me, you know. (laughs) I have seen some bettas with some, actually some patterns like that. I've seen almost heart shapes or star shapes. It's 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 really amazing. And and, uh, right now we actually have like an incredible selection. Somebody was looking at them and goes, you always have like amazing bettas here. And it's an effort, you know. Um, When bettas come in, now, I might mention that a good percentage of our bettas are raised right in our back room. Right. One of the things that's hard to get is a nice, healthy female betta, and we can explain. I don't think we have time for the details of that. The way we got around that is we just simply breed the bettas in the store, and then we have extra females that are nicely colored and such. But whether we actually breed them in the back room or we, um, the advantage of bringing them in the back, breed them in the back room is they're, we control their environment. Right. But when we bring them in from overseas, and we're talking Southeast Asia throughout that whole general region, right. uh, there's an economy there. There's people that are making their livelihood by raising these, uh, but they raise them in thousands and thousands of lots. They've figured that out, right? right. But when they ship them here to the United States, Let's just say it's going to take a little bit of a journey. Thank God it's a better fish, and so they tend to take some liberty at at uh, putting them in smaller containers than they would have average fish. They they fight with each other, so they have to have their own individual little pouch, if you will, of water. Right. And by the time they get to the distributor, they're they 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 need some extra nourishment by the time they get to us for sure. So we actually just accept that. We know that, right? right. And that sometimes, unfortunately. In the trade, not necessarily a standard operating procedure, no, but for us it is. That. For us it is. We just make the assumption when they've yeah. been when they show up in our door, they've had a little bit of a journey, so we need to just give them a little time out time, mm-hmm. and so they're going to be at least a week, if not two or three weeks, in the back room, just convalescing and making sure they're back to good nu- weight. Uh, they have good nutrition. They have good water chemistry. They're eating good. They're acting normal, and that's. I think single-handedly for somebody getting into the hobby, they want to be able to get a better fish and not have problems with it for the first few I, weeks. I usually tell my kids and my my parents who are just starting, you know, getting a healthy animal is winning half of the <laughs> winning half of the battle and yeah. getting the tank started. Yeah, because well, well, we've talked about that. That yeah. the Bruce is one of the few stores that does do quarantining of these animals yeah. when they come in, so that when you buy it, it's going to be something that you can honestly say. That that animal has as good of a chance as any of them that are walking out the door. And yeah, and I think in the industry there's a, a slow movement towards, you know, better care and keeping both at the distributor and at the retail level. But it's a slow movement, and it's a movement that, you know, we just encourage to gain steam. I would encourage any retailer to do the same darn thing. You know, I'd rather have lots of competition in the better department because all the betters are being well cared for than than not to. And and I'm hoping Agreed. that as time goes on the entire industry and I I don't know that we're the exception, but it's it's something that needs to be um the ground needs to be fertilized, if you will. Especially for such a popular fish that, yeah. you know, people are going to immediately think of when they want to start getting into the hobby is they're going to think, 
oh, I kept a betta fish when I was yeah. 10 years old and, and I want and, to do it again. And honestly, credit to the betta fish. Even if you don't do <laughs> well, all the things that we do, they are fish. just so hardy. They are really, really hardy fish. But we don't want to take advantage of that. We want to do, you know, if 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 a store not doing all the procedures and protocols that we do is 85% successful, we want to be 99% successful. And well, it's a lot of work. I mean, treating fish and ensuring the quality of the animal that you're you're getting. Yeah, especially big. when you have like 50 of them. Exactly. And yeah. and honestly, when you know you get fish in, it it's you know, like he said, two, three weeks in the back sometimes before yeah. we can get them up up onto the floor and healthy. But it, it reaps the rewards of seeing the customers come back and, and say, oh, it's going great and, and my fish are happy. And and I love to see kids and their parents come back in and say, hey, my bed, my, my bed of fish is super happy. Here right. we go. And I think that just starts with having a healthy animal to begin with. Well, well, we've got limited time left. So let's talk about one of the questions that our listeners might have. They've come into Bruce Pets. They've seen these really cool looking nano tanks. So now the question is, where should people think about putting them? Is this something that you can put anywhere on a desk, on a bed nightstand, uh, in a kitchen like my wife is considering. Well, let me talk about that. Uh, we can we'll, we'll uh, address that, right? I just wanted to mention first before we get off the air how absolutely artistic that the companies have done a job at providing cool looking tanks. It's not it can be like what you would think of as a five-and-a-half-gallon rectangular tank, and you can make that an exciting little nanotank. But talk a little bit, Will, first about how cool nanotanks look at times. You they know? can look amazing. And honestly, you know, what he was saying is, is, you know, we can put them in places we couldn't put other tanks because yeah. you have to think about water weight. If we're thinking about wanting to put something somewhere, you can't put a 20-gallon tank that weighs is, almost 200 pounds yeah. on a bookshelf. You, you just can't do it. It's just going to fall over. So, But when you're doing one-gallon tanks, it only weighs 8, 9, 10 pounds depending on what you put in it. And, and so the ability for dorm rooms, the ability for offices, for like kitchens like you're dealing with and all of these places, as long as it, it has a plug and you easy enough to work on and to be – you know, working with it and you can put it really wherever you'd like as long as you sturdy structure and <laughs> you are able to access the tank. But, you know, I think that's what nano tanks bring to the table is being able to put it in spots that you're not able to put it in and be able to enjoy your fish in spots that you wouldn't ever think. Well, it's a fascinating conversation, and uh, like I said, it's something I'll be getting involved with, and I'm sure lots of other people will too. Uh, but unfortunately, Rick, uh, that's all the time we've got for this week. Uh, we want to thank Will Schaefer for coming in and thank our producer, Bruce Warner, for producing. This is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And in the meantime, all of you, please, please take good care of your pets and have a great week, everybody.